Welcome to the Sports Squire Podcast, a platform engineered specifically for you to deliver content relative to the fields of training, performance, and rehabilitation. Challenge the status quo and raise your game through changing your mindset and your action. As you embark on your journey as a sports squire, subscribe to the show to get real-time updates to new episodes. Don't miss an opportunity to apply what you've learned today. Explore, engage, learn, implement, benefit. This is the way of the sports squire. So I've got Chris Hawkins out of Indianapolis Crispus Addicts. Chris, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's always a great time to uh, talk to one of the greats uh, that I played with in high school basketball, uh, Brad Howe, a legend. <laughs> hey, man, you know, I, uh, you know, one of the things that people can't see right now is our screens. And we we had a little bit more hair back in the day. You've always kind of rode high and tight, though, haven't you? Yeah, always. So right now the top is fading quickly. Um, I'm holding on. Uh, my brother's already went bald. So um, give it probably maybe three more years. If it starts to look just terrible, I'll cut it all off. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, hey, like I said, I appreciate you coming on. You know, I know, uh, you know, for me, you know, just, uh, you know, growing up with you in the, the Southport High School days, uh, you know, you being two years uh, above me, you probably don't even realize that, you know, I looked up to you a lot more than you really probably uh probably recognized at the time, you know, being a point guard and, um, you know, being someone that was really in the same class as my older brother, who I looked up to a lot as well, um, kind of grew up around you and the family. And, uh, you know, first and foremost, want to, you know, just give my condolences to you with the loss of your mother. I know it's been, uh, you know, a tough month, even, you know, your grandmother and your uncle and, um, you know, just praying for you and your family, man. But. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah. Um, like I said, mother was a big part of everything that I did. Grandmother, uncles, too. They were also always supportive. So, um, like I said, just, to, you know, live through them, um, just live through the lessons they taught me. And uh, like I said, we'll, uh, you know, it's a big loss. But like I said, we're, we're working through it day by day. Yeah, man, I uh, you're making a lot of people proud, um, you know, past and present and uh, just uh, extremely proud of you, man. But, you know, I think. You know, looking back to our Southport days, maybe even before that, let's start before that. For the Chris Hawkins journey, what does that look like? Where where does your love for basketball start? I mean, just uh, just like my dad, uh, my mom, they both played. Um, But then I think just watching the game, like I said, my favorite player is Isaiah Thomas. And so just watching him growing up, uh, you know, okay, everybody likes Jordan, but, you know, Isaiah controlled the team, could score, um, you know, just those things, man, just being ahead of the game, being a coach uh, on the floor. Uh, like I said, I always tell my kids now, uh, I remember shooting maybe a thousand shots and my arm hurting after. And I told myself, I'm not a shooter, I'm a point guard. And so uh, didn't want to feel that that drain of, hey, if you consistently shooting like that, it's going to be some issues. So I just always wanted to be a point guard, but just watching Isaiah Thomas, uh, that was it. I wore the number 11 because of Isaiah Thomas. So, um, you know, that was my person growing up that I look, looked at, wanted to have my game after. And then, you know, as you get older and older, you know, I think I can coach. The, I think I can coach. And, you know, lo and behold, uh, you know, I'm doing it now. Uh, but, yeah, that's where it was. Like I said, mom, dad, and then really just, just watching uh, basketball. Who's your fan growing up? So the Bob Knight years, everything like that. So A.J. Guyton, just you always watching point guards. And so basically just put my mindset and just want to be a point guard. Did and you, used, did you used to watch the, so, the – did your <laughs> Hey, you know, you packed a punch, though, man. That's the thing that a lot of people don't realize. You packed a punch. Did you, you – you mentioned Bob Knight. Did you used to watch those Channel 4, like, Coach's Corner, like, breaking down film? They had it on, like, local TV. Yeah, and that that, that was the thing, man. You you know, I go sit in the corner. You're sitting there. You're watching it all the time, man. So, like, I, you know, I'm a Bob Knight fan, you know. 
like I said, you know, there's some things that he could do better. Like I said, growing up, he was just a hey, IU's coming on, I think, Channel 4. I think that's what it was. And basically, you sit there, watch it. Me and, you know, here they coming out and consistently always playing hard, screening, cutting, the way basketball is supposed to be played. So uh, it's one of the things, yeah, you know, me and my dad always uh, watch. Yeah, I think you can debate the antics all day long, but the X's and O's and the fundamentals of what he brought were just, uh, as as basketball fans growing up in the great Hoosier State, it was just something special. As a... Uh, you know, for me, as I as I had the opportunity to kind of share a locker room with you, I think I was a sophomore when I had some time to play with you guys when you were a senior. And, um, you know, one of the things I remember, we had some brutal practices. And I want to get your take on uh, kind of your philosophy on, on practices, knowing how brutal some of ours were. I mean, I, I felt like we were going to be cross-country skiers at some point uh, or uh, cross-country runners. Good Lord, we were in good shape. But um, you know, one of the things I always recognize, we had some practice, like I mentioned, that were just physically demanding. I mean, you thought you were going through West Point training camp at some point in time. And, uh, you know, I always remember you being, you know, a very vocal leader and, and during those times of difficulty. And there were several guys that wanted to quit, you know, during those times because everybody was crossing their minds. I mean, there was some explicits running through all of our ears uh, during that. But I remember that. Uh, you know, very, very well. And, you know, looking back on that, what, what drove you to be a leader? You know, I, because I think that that was something that was always very natural from my vantage point. No, I just think, man, you, you, you have to have people uh, that want to be out there in those tough times. Um, And, you know, when you, as you're getting into your conditioning or you're getting into that preseason start, uh, people have to know what that war is going to look like. Uh, I think we were in Conference Indiana. So you have the Pikes, the LCs. You you have those top teams, the Cater Central, uh, if they were in that conference at that point. Perry Meridian. Um, yeah, Perry Meridian. Uh, you just always had those teams tough. So, you know, with you coming up, it, it's like, hey, you're, you're about to be on the floor with us. We're counting on you to make shots. We're counting on you to play defense. So we want to make sure that you're ready to go. So, hey, we're going to bump him. We're going to cut him. We're going to see what he's made of. And then hopefully when we get to game one through five, okay, now he's figuring out, you know, you get your pace, see how fast the game is. But now we can trust you to, hey, he knows when to be on help. He knows when to – uh, you know, get a shot off and things like that. So um, it's just really, man, you just want to have everybody ready for war because, you know, that schedule that we had back then, I mean, especially with Pike, I mean, it, it was unbelievable. I mean, Chris Thomas, um, just all those teams that had all those good players. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, Park Tudor. I think they had a guy that went to Wake Forest at, the, uh, at some point. What was his um, name? V- Vachulis or – yeah, something like and then they had the one, yeah. Yeah, Lindsey Wayne, and then they had a guard that went to IU to play football. So it, you just want to be able to just have everybody be war ready uh for those games. And basically, and you know, if you if you wasn't ready, we we're gonna get beat by 20 or 30. If you were ready, we were gonna do some things. And you look back to like the year we beat uh, Pike, um and upset Pike that year. Um, at uh, I think what I was a junior that year with Chris Weber and that whole little group. So, uh, you know, just everybody bought in, did what they needed to do, did their job. But those practices, those conditioning times where you're out there running, uh, to the mall and back, it it was crazy. Some stuff that you tell a kid to do that right now, they're gonna look at you, hey, I'm gonna go somewhere else. So, uh, I, I just think we were very disciplined. We understood what it took. We didn't make it, you know, like, hey, hey, I'm so good. I don't need to be doing this. We understand that we needed to get that in order to get where we needed to go. And so, um, you know, just being a leader, man, like I said, that's the that's the tough thing is being able to lead people. But um, once you can let them know where you can go and and what's there, if we if we do things the right way, um, it, it makes it uh, great, and that journey uh, is uh, is also great. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And, 
you know, looking back to those old days, obviously, I think we had more of, um, I hate to say, use the word old school uh, kind of coaching, but I just, it, it, it's, a, it's a style of coaching that's really uh, starting to kind of fade away a little bit. And, you know, I know you well, I, I know you're a competitor, but you don't really strike me as somebody that's screaming and hollering at the kids all the time. What, what, what's your coaching philosophy and how has that changed from when we were playing? Um, I think you 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 do your work Monday through Thursday. You know, game planning, going through plays, watching film. At the end of the day on Friday, if we go out and lay an egg, there was something that we just didn't do right. Um, I'm uh, 37, don't want heart attacks or anything like that. My mom died of a heart attack. So the biggest thing is just really I'm very laid back, I may say a couple of things to the referee, but hardly ever. I think in my five-year career uh, at the end of this year, hopefully it ends at Banker's life. Um, I can say two technical fouls. One was, well, in my opinion, both of them were not warranted. The first technical foul was, I think, two years ago against Burbuff, and all I did was stand and stare. And I got a technical <laughs> foul. I had to sit down. You must have we, a mean stare, man. We it, it was, yeah, no, I, I didn't say anything. I mean, the second one just came this year. I asked the referee, could you please, you know, get control of the game before both teams, both players, you know, you know, someone gets hurt. And then he turned around, boop, just sat down the rest of the game and just that it. So, no, very calm, laid back. Like I said, you, you do the work during the week. And so if we – are not closing out, if we're not uh, forcing baseline, if we're not stunning on screens or on drives and things like that nature, then I'm going to put it on myself. We just didn't teach that well. And then the players, are, they'll own up to it too. So, um, no, not doing all that yelling. It's not going to get you far. Referees already, they talk. So when they come to your school or when you go somewhere, then you have a, a – a big flag on your back. And so, nah, very laid back. Um, and I think even as a player, you know, you, you'll you get into some uh, kids, you know, hey, not on help side. They killing us because you ain't on help side and we talked about this. So I just think, you know, I try to, you know, with the point guards and, and people that we have here, hey, you're, you're the extension out there on the floor because I'm always going to ask you what do you see and then come back over there and be like, hey, this is what I see. So I think you have to give players some uh, some freedom. Um, and then, like I said, that that lets them know that you, you know, you're a player's coach and you understand it's just – I don't want to stand up and call flex every time down. I want you to be able to understand, yeah. you know, we ran yeah. flex, you know, and all those things. But and we didn't we, we didn't have a six that. eight post player to run that, though. That's the problem. I think flex runs better yeah. when you got big guys. So – Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, you're you're right though. Um, but at the same time, man, if you run flex and you make the defense have to sit there and guard, at some point they break down. Absolutely. And so those are the things. Those are the things where I learned from uh, Coach Springer, Coach Cal, uh, Coach Peak, and just all the coaches I've been around: Coach Delaney, Coach Howard, uh, Coach Bowling. Um, you know, hey, those things work, man. So. Yeah. There's a reason why flex is still offensive choice uh, for colleges and people right now. So, uh, but yeah, laid back, man, laid back, and like I said, I'll I'll just be doing what you're doing, just hmm, just sitting here. <laughs> yeah, so, I what per, what percentage of time do you think growing up through the Southport program that we ran uh, a skeleton flex, no defense on us, learning uh, learning the plays, learning the cuts. Man, about 100%, man, we did that a whole time, just understanding just the ins and outs, man, because, like, my first year here uh, with the group of kids that I had, I, I forget what team we played, but, like, I mean, they slaughtered us for, like, a half on just flex and them not understanding, hey, just stay there. We're switching. They're coming into the area. And it just took a while for them to understand that, and then that's where I had to – Go back, hey, I need to teach it, show them, kind of like what we did at Southport. And, no, as we kept going, and then as we, you know, that first year when we won the state title, when teams started to run it, 
they understand jumping the passing lane and getting steals off of it. So it was better. But man, yeah, you you run it a lot. And like sometimes I'm here thinking, hey, this is probably the only thing we can run with these group of kids. Mm-hmm. So, but <laughs> it'll take maybe two days or five five days or two weeks for them to completely understand everything. Because the one thing I like about that is the Wisconsin swing flex. Yeah. And just being able to isolate when you have a 6'4", 6'5", big, and you can screen from the wing and throw it in to post him up. So there's just different things you can do with it. But the collective IQ of your team, you just have to have that together yeah. for it to run smoothly. Yeah, that's that's what I noticed growing up is just like, man, you had one guy on that on that team that – ran to the wrong spot and position you might as well just like go to the hole and hack something up because you gotta start all over again (laughs) uh no so so before we get to your uh kind of personal accolades i know you're a humble guy um you know and and probably not one to really kind of you know give it up uh in regards to how much success you've had at the beginning of your career at, at crispus attics there but you know, I just want to, to to bring light, and I'm sure a lot of others have done this uh, historically as well. That you know, Crispus Attics. You know, a lot of people know Crispus Attics because of the the run of of Ray Crow and his teams, and um, it, it was Ray Crow. That's his not, name, right? Yep, yep, yep. And, and the the 1950s runs and and uh, Oscar Robertson and uh, Hallie Bryant and a lot of those uh, you know superstars that played during that time frame. What is it like? to kind of take over a program and uh, that has that sort of historical reference, not only, you know, for basketball, but I think for the African-American community, it was the first, you know, all black uh, state championship team across the entire United States of America during a time where, you know, civil rights movements, you know, weren't even really in the heavy and thick of things and segregation was, was still at a a high peak. Uh, You know, what does that mean to you? Um, Stepping into that, you know, is that something that kind of weighs heavy on you in regards to your responsibilities as a leader there now at Attics? No, I think I think it it it's big. It's really big. So you know, you once you get the job, uh, you you come in and you see the banners, you see the the state championship banners, you see the state runner up banners, uh, you see all the retired jerseys in the gym. Uh, so you you feel like there's a you hold serve uh, this legacy and you want to add to the legacy. And so um, you want to make sure that the kids know every time that they go out, that they're, they're, they're upholding this legacy. Uh, But I think the biggest thing is that we want to remind them that, you know, your students first and look at all the history of the great people that graduated from here and went on to do things. So, uh, we, we educate them about that. And then you come in with the athletics part, just just with what they went through, uh, uh, what uh, things they had to go through when they went to play places, um, and just understanding every time you're down. I think uh, Bill Hampton, uh, who talked to us during our state run, said every time we played, we knew we were down 30 to nothing. Hmm. So – we got to come in, you know, with a with a dog mentality, and and go from there, and just understand nobody's going to give you anything. Mm-hmm. And I think we've we've understood that that we're going to take everybody's best punch. Uh, with where we're at right now uh, in year five, uh, there's no more of Christmas addicts sneaking up on people. Mm-hmm. I think we put the program in a place where it's back to you know that that golden era um, in the fifties. Um, and like I said, we just want to make sure that these kids understand uh, that everything's not going to be easy. Practice is not going to be easy. Classwork's not going to be easy. Living life is not going to be easy. When you leave here, you got to understand, hey, things are going to come up. You have to be a great representative uh, for you, yourself, your family, the school, uh, our athletic department. So we just constantly, man, try to give them reminders because, you know, looking at the world that we live in now, uh, I think we're we're seeing change. But at the same time, you just can't relax uh, because there's still people that, uh, you know, don't want to see you move into that uh, that next level. And so um, we're always preaching uh, accountability. You'll hear it in practice. You'll hear it at the free throw line. Accountability. You're one for 20. It's accountability. That's why we shoot 
I mean, I, I, I haven't had a team this bad shooting free throws in a long time, Brad. <laughs> so they're, they're, it's accountability a lot to make sure that you get your 40 free throws. There's no shortcutting the process. Yeah. Uh, we, we always tell them, hey, there's no way to, to, to make it to the end. And, hey, you're just going to get a bye to the state championship. It's not happening. You're not going to get a shortcut in life. There's going to be times where you have to go through adversity. And then how do you re- respond to that adversity is going to be the teacher. And hopefully in life, as you become a husband, uh, as you become a dad, um, you're able to leave those deposits for your family and, and make sure that you're doing what you need to do. So it's a lot of life lessons. Um, it's a great honor to be the head coach here. Um here at Christmas Addicts, man, it's just I've heard from um, Willie Mayweather, Bill Hampton, Oscar with this whole shoe drop. We'll talk about that later. But like those guys consistently, Holly Bryant, are here in the community talking to the kids at the school. And it's just good to see because sometimes, you know, you, you may get some some people that come from, you know, they're, they're the star at the school. They don't want to do anything with uh, their own high school, but here it's different. There's a love for Christmas addicts. There's a, um, there's just this family atmosphere. And so, like I said, I, I enjoy it. I embrace it. Um, and like I said, I hope I'm doing, doing service, uh, the Christmas addicts brand and the, you know, from the basketball side of it, but hopefully, uh, as we're graduating, these kids, they're able to understand and know, uh, you know, how to be a man, and then how to be a good husband, how to be a good uh, dad. And those are the things that are going to be big for me. Um, yeah, we can say, hey, we have so many kids go play basketball. But I think at the end of the day, if you're building good citizens and being good stewards in the community, uh, those are going to be the long lasting things as we get old and you see all this great. <laughs> no, I uh, mean, what I love the most about what you just said is just you know, the focus, you didn't talk much about X's and O's there. You're talking about building young men into fathers, husbands, you know, people that are going to go out into life. And I think that's one of the wonderful things that we don't necessarily appreciate when we're going through the fire as players. And, um, you know, I think you think the future is so far away in regards to, you know, all of your responsibilities and, you know, how, how life can be tough at some point in times, but really how it's all really a, um, a mental approach to everything that you do. Life can be as hard as you want it to be, or it can be as easy as you want it to be. And it's all really between your ears. And, uh, you know, for me, I've noticed there's been some players and I'm sure you've, you've been around the game long enough too to see people that were highly successful basketball players that struggled, you know, after playing because they had a hard time transferring those skills and the, the level of discipline that they had developed within the game to other parts of their life. You know, as you coach now, you know, how do you prepare these kids for life after basketball? Man, I think biggest, Sorry. No, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing, man, is you just got to have real talk. So, hey, what happens when that deposit doesn't come in from work and your wife's looking at you? Hey, how are we going to pay the lights? How are we going to do those things? Those are questions where when you're looking at this basketball thing, what are, what do you want to do? We're, we're asking our kids, let's, let's stop the going across seas. Let's stop going across there. What do you want to do? So here at addicts, you know, uh, we're a medical, not necessarily medical magnet, but we're a health sciences type thing. So nurses, uh, physical training, things of that nature. So, you know, first, if you're trying to do that, we have opportunities working through Ivy Tech, IUPUI, as far as getting those things. So we want to know what these kids want to do in life. Uh, because like I said, basketball, how many times, and I know you know this, how many times do you make it to the second contract? How many times are you you really going to get through the first contract, uh, to be perfectly honest? So mm-hmm. just letting them know that the chances of those things happening are very minute and very small. And you have to be extremely gifted. So finding something that you enjoy, some, finding something that you you extremely like is going to be the first thing. Uh, you move on to college, finish the college degree. All right. And then depending on where you go, and this is just always a thing, 
you know, going to being a graduate of IU, you know, there may be a situation one time, let's say that, you know, you move on from addicts. Somebody says, hey, I've been watching you this whole time. I like how you carry yourself. Boom. Hey, I have a job over here. I want to know if you want want to be you will want to do that. Because I think, you know, these kids don't understand every time that you're somewhere, you're on audition. And you may never know that somebody's sitting up and watching, but it could be that person that after you graduate, hey, I saw you at Christmas Addicts. I saw you at Miami of Ohio. I saw you at Pittsburgh. I saw you at Bethel University. I like the way that you carry yourself, um, your field that you have your degree in. Hey, we have a job. Boom, put that out there. So we're always preaching Hey, we're always on the job. There's always an interview, always, all the time. As coaches, you know, some coaches, and I think you just with newer coaches coming up, they want to be comfortable wearing the sweatsuits and all this other stuff. Nah, we're going to dress up the majority of the time just because you just never know. And so just having the kids understand uh, that every time that they come into somebody, that they're, they're respectful, they're doing things the right way. So we just want the kids just to be humble uh, and just know that at any point in time, whatever you're doing can be scrutinized, magnified or put up for people to consume as far as like, hey, this is a great kid. This is what he did. And uh, those are just the things that we do. We just try to make sure that the kids understand numbers, because when you put the numbers out there, it's, it's, it's clear cut as far as success rates and different things like that. So. Um, when you put it out there in numbers, they can see it. Um, you can show them you've lived it. You can show them what, what, what's happened, where you've been. Um, and you know, from there, that's where you go. I think my biggest, biggest help is, man, you got to sit down and watch. I think you, you have to learn and watch as far as being an assistant coach for almost eight to 10 years before I actually start actually being a head coach. Hey, let me be the one the players talk to, because now I can understand, okay, boom, 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 how to play that role. Now, okay, I want you to be an X's and O's. I want you to do this. Let me move to a different seat. You want to have all those seats so when you're ready to jump in your first year, you're able to kind of handle that, being as you get your system implemented to year two, year three. Now your assistants are able to push off and handle the majority of that, but you're still around just to make sure everything's right. But um, like I said, it's just like I said, giving those numbers and just showing them. And then from there, uh, giving them those opportunities and then hopefully they knock it out the park. And then you, what you want to do is as they go far in life and, and do those things, come on back, talk to these younger kids and and be a vessel. And I think that's the biggest thing I learned from my mom is just, you know, she was a great vessel. She always helped other people. Um, and, and put, you know, others first. And I think when you do that, that's when you reap those rewards. Um, and uh, like I said, you know, I'm just a sponge, man. I'm just learning. And I think, you know, I've been around basketball my whole entire life. I don't know everything. I'm still learning right now. So like I said, with the kids, it's always learning. And just like I said, being good people. Man, I, I love everything about that. Again, man, it's just uh, spitting knowledge here. Got Chris Hawkins, you know, from Crispus Addicts here in Indianapolis. And uh, Chris, you know, you mentioned eight to 10 years of being an assistant coach before you got the nod to be the, the head guy. We'll talk a little bit about your role as well as the athletic director there, which I know we sp spoke a little bit off air just about your responsibilities and the vision that you have for Addicts in regards to you know, developing well-rounded athletics outside of, uh, you know, the, the well-known historical academic program that has been developed there at Addicts. But, you know, I think a lot of people will look at your story and they'll say, oh, well, Chris became a, a head coach and uh, first year in coaching, he won a state championship and everything's been really easy for Chris Hawkins. He's got a hundred wins in a little over than four years. And I did my research, by the way, I, I, johnharrell.com whatever you guys want to go to look at the stats and, and chris is one of the fastest coaches in indiana high school basketball history to 100 wins doing it in just over four years i mean that's something to applaud man but i think my point to this is that you know everything that you speak about everything being a process you've developed those that skill set over time and an opportunity met preparation and can you speak a little bit about 
what that process and preparation looked like for you and how you were able to step in year one and take that team all the way to the to, to Banker's Life and, and win a state championship? Well, I think, you know, let's go back to, you know, the high school coaching. So Jason Delaney, um, you know, allowed me to help coach uh, Southport basketball, um, you know, back back when he was there. And so you're, you're coaching freshmen. That's where you start at. And I'm coaching AAU also. So you're able to just sit back and just understand. You know, the freshman game is very slow. Um, so, you know, you, hey, if you got a couple of dogs as a freshman, you're going to be able to get through it uh, uh, easy. So from there, um, you know, just, just in practice, watching him, watching preparation, how he put together game plans, uh, just looking at how he set up offense, how he set up his coaching staff. Um, you fast forward, you know, you go through uh, West Peak. Um, then you move on from there um, and go with um, Donnie Bowling over at Short Ridge. So you go from a township where everything's structured, you have resources. Now let's go to IPS. Mm-hmm. It's a different type of thing. Kids showing up for practice, you may only have seven. You may just have varsity. Your freshman in JV could be together and it's only five of them that show up. So understanding how to communicate with players, communicate with parents and telling them, hey, there's a responsibility level for them. They got to come to school to do work first, then play basketball. It's just not the other way around. And so you look at that short ridge, that program got put back on a higher level within those two or three years um, that I was there. Now you move over to um, Burbuff, Todd Howard, uh, great X's and O's, mine, man, just knows everything offensively, uh, defensively, just can can put things in and understands a lot about basketball. So it was a sponge as a JV coach. Uh, we won a lot on, the, on our JV team. We had a lot of good players. So you go from like a Southport team that was rebuilding to an IPS thing that was just rebuilding the whole athletic program, and you get that to winning to now getting to rebuff. Now you have players. Now you – the stuff that you've always wanted to run, hey, let's see if it actually works with these great players. Um, and just, you know, the accountability, kids are great, parents are great. Now we have success. Now we win some JV tournaments. Now we win a sectional. And we're this close to, to winning this uh, regional. And, you know, hey, it doesn't happen. So you put all those experience together. Now you know how to build a team. You know how to put together a team. You know how to put together practice plans. You know how to put together film studies and different things like that. All those coaches were great uh, in, in all those phases. So, you know, there was other times where I could have looked to try to get a job that wasn't like Christmas addicts. Uh, but, you know, after us being, you know, playing Burbuff and basically knowing a lot of those kids and then at that uh, specific time, you know, it was just, man, you know, you sprinkle a little structure with that group, man, you, I, I think we can go far. And, uh, you know, you never you never think it's going to happen your first year. You're always looking to second year, third year. But, yeah, we were able to get it done. So but it's just like I said, man, just watching, man. A lot of a lot of people want to just jump in and just think they can just do it like, boom. No, you have to watch. You have to learn. You have to sit in seat 15 to know how to handle seat one, because when seat one gets on fire, you haven't really been through the fires as far as just that. watching how head coaches handle things, meetings, parent meetings, meetings with the district principals and and district ads. Hey, it could turn, it could backfire, and then you're out of a job quickly. So, uh, no, uh, I wanted to master cheer fifteen before I got to cheer one, and uh, like I said, and then when you ask these college coaches, so being an AAU coach helps too because. You're talking to uh, coaches and they're letting you know, hey, get some experience as far as coaching your own AAU team. And I had that. So if you look at it, Ron Patterson, IU, Jeremy Hollowell, IU, Kellen Thomas went to 
uh, Kent, Kent State. State. Yeah. Uh, Mike uh, Ramey was at. I forget where he started. I know he ended at Ole Miss. I think he was at Ball uh, State, right? Yep. Avon. I mean, Austin Burgett uh, was at Notre Dame. So that whole group that I had, you had to deal with egos, uh, parents, and everything. So that gives you that that time to be like, okay, I think I can do this. Now let's translate it, structure it the right way. And then the final step to it is then getting assistants that understand your vision, that don't want to come in and just – hey, I want to be the head coach too, mm-hmm. give them their time to be able to run a practice or run certain things and then go back, hey, how was that? You know, talk to them about it. Because I would ask Todd Howard all the time, hey, how would you handle this situation? How would you do this? Donnie, how would you do this? Coach Laney? I mean, I still do it too today uh, with uh, with those coaches. So, um, like I said, yeah, master cheer 15. Once you master all those other cheers, Cheer one becomes a little bit easier, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to just be a sponge, man, and soak everything up. Uh, being a, a coach, you know, you, you're responsible for motivating and encouraging all of these kids. I, I look at being a head coach, and this may be a weird analogy for some out there, but kind of similarly as being a, a pastor of a church. You know, you look at like you are the one person that's responsible for the well-being. Uh, whether or not you have all the 100% of the control, but, you know, you are looking to inspire and encourage the well-being of your guys on your team. Um, but yet, you know, you've got to take care of uh, of yourself as well. What do you do to kind of keep yourself mentally sharp, you know, keep your stress levels low, um, you know, and not take yourself too, too, uh, too seriously? Um, you know me. Um, I'm going to play. I'm going to play Madden. I'm going to play. Um, NBA 2K, but like for me, the stress reliever, you know, you win, you lose, come home to the kids and enjoy the kids. I think that's the biggest thing. Take the game away, you know, I'll, I'll be the, I'll be, be truthful. We lose a game. It takes me maybe 45 minutes to come from the locker room to get back upstairs to get my stuff to go. Cause I'm just still in constant thought of, Hey, what did we not do during the week uh, that didn't get us ready? Um, and so, those are some things right there. But I think the other thing, man, you got to just do other things. Um, my biggest thing, man, is, and I said this, if you go back and look at the uh, state championship book or whatever, man, wrestling's my getaway. So I'm a, you know, the WWE network. I'm just going <laughs> to sit back and go back and watch WrestleMania 8, WrestleMania 7, you know, those things, man. It just gets my mind away. Yeah. Uh, from things and then, like I said, listening to music or whatever. But um, you have to get away from it because it'll consume you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the stress part of it will will put you on edge all the time. But, you know, the one thing about coaching at Addicts, and I will say this, when we won the state title, it was hard to go out in public. I remember my birthday, like right after we had won the state title, uh me and my fiance went, tried to go eat breakfast and man, you get through the door, couldn't, couldn't even sit down. And she just ran out to the car. It's like, nah, we're not eating here. <laughs> so, you know, just being here, cause there are a lot of Christmas addicts graduates that still Absolutely. live here and then out of town and just different things like that. So um, you just try to, you know, just, Hey, let's relax. Let's go to top golf. Let's just go do some other things and just, and just chill, watch a movie, or sometimes just play cornhole in the house or in the garage, and that's it. But you just try to keep everything as normal as possible uh, because I think when you get the big head and when you think you're better than you are, uh, that's when things start to change, and, you know, you never want those uh, those feelings to ever uh, come in. Uh, like I said, I'm just, just a regular guy. There's nothing new or uh, exciting. Hey, I put my pants on the same way everybody else does. So, uh, we just want to, you know, just, uh, do, you know, coach and just, Hey, once it's over, you get away and just have fun. But for you, like I said, for me playing video games, watching wrestling, and then just having family time when you can. Um, and then, like I said, just hanging out with friends. And I think that's just one thing with the pandemic, uh, that we really haven't had a chance to do. 
to be perfectly honest. But, you know, once we get this thing down um, and, you know, we can get back to normal, uh, just getting out, you know, with the friends and just, you know, being able to hang out and just, hey, let's talk about good old times at Southport High School or, you know, the church youth group that I was with, you know, uh, those people uh, and just just life in general, man, and the new friends that we've made, uh, you know, since I've been here. So um, those are just the things that I, you know, that I do to just try to keep things normal, keep things in focus, um, to be perfectly honest. I think that's really helpful for a lot of young coaches out there that, you know, I think it's very easy. You know, uh, you know, my brother-in-law, Brian Duggar, he had his first year at Martinsville a high school football program and heck of a year to start as a, as a football coach during COVID. But uh, I think he experienced, uh, you know, how different it is to be a head coach, uh, you know, versus being an assistant. And I think a lot of people, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever sport you're coaching, there's a lot of, uh, you know, really good things that, that Chris talks about in regards to just getting away. Chris, in regards to leadership, you know, are, are you someone, you know, do you read? Do you listen to things? Uh, you know, do you seek out, you already talked about how you seek out mentorship from other coaches around the area and you're asking questions and things like that. But, you know, what helps you to kind of sharpen your saw as a leader? I mean, you always go to go to going to coaching clinics. Uh, those are some of the things, just watching video, listening to coaches speak, um, just as far as just um, for our summer, uh, as far as this COVID, uh, we got uh, an Indiana Coaches Association, uh, Black Coaches Association. We got together and sought out African-American coaches in college uh assistant coaches or head coaches to come on and talk. And basically we had um, Coach Crenshaw uh, that's up at Ball State kind of help facilitate and get this together. And basically each Thursday we were on just getting knowledge, seeking knowledge, talking about how to run programs, how do you recruit, how do you move in from the number two seat to the one seat, how does that work? And then just in general, uh, just, you know, being, uh, you know, showing leadership to young men right now in these situations. I mean, when you look at the protest situation and, and trying to get your kids to understand, you know, how life is and what one wrong move can make uh, uh, a situation go where it shouldn't need, shouldn't go to and things of that nature. So um, just really and, you know, reading leadership books all the time. My principal, uh, Lauren Franklin here at Christmas Addicts, challenges me uh, each year uh, with a different book just to read on leadership and and understanding your role in that leadership. Sometimes as leaders, we want to do everything. And this is one of my biggest things is sometimes you got to let go and, hey, give that to someone else uh, for your sake, for your health also. Just because with you doing, trying to do everything, that pushes up your stress level. Um, so, and I think also as leadership, you know, uh, with with being an AD, you want to increase others' knowledge and just understanding of where they are as far as a coach and where do you want them to get to and what do they see as their goals and their aspirations. Um, so uh, with the leadership thing, peace, man, is big for me. Uh uh, as a as a dad, as a parent, uh, you know, of daughters and, and sons and then leading uh, these young men here. But then also uh, making sure that our coaches are good leaders and good stewards and also pushing kids to be the great representative representatives of our program and at home. Because I always tell our kids and I think this is big, big for me. You know, Jalen Hooks. You know, top 40 kid class of 2023. You are building a brand right now. The Jalen Hooks brand is building. You don't want to do anything that messes up your brand for your dad, uh, Mr. Hooks, your sisters, and all that. You want that brand to be as solid as possible. Once you get to college, then once you go through college, if he goes to the NBA, you want to be that that brand to be as reputable and as as good as it can be so that, you know, it's time to make money and do those things. 
the Jalen Hooks brand is ready to go. Like I tell these kids each day, hey, here at the school, you're building your brand. You don't want your brand to be, oh, we don't like this kid. This kid doesn't go to class. He's always late, never turns anything in. We want to build those brands. And so uh, it's just not, hey, I want to get the money and all this other stuff. Hey, your character, who you are matters. And, you know, when you can, people can come up and say, I like that kid. Uh, he's a great representative for his family and this school. We're, we're almost there. We're 90, 95 percent there. Now, let's just be that great representative on the floor. Somebody falls, help him up. It's the other team, help him up. You know what I'm saying? Go say something to the coach, you know, give him good words. It's always good. Even when I get some things back about our players from other people, just, hey, he's a great ambassador for what you guys do. So, um it's 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 been a uh, it's been a long process uh, with the leadership part, but I think like I said, you have to have those expectations, lay them out, and each year I think uh, our kids are crushing them, uh, and uh, we just want to keep doing that and making sure throughout our program and just throughout Christmas Addicts as a whole uh, that um, you know we're making great leaders and building great leaders. And there's no doubt you're you're building a standard there at Crispus Attics. I mean, I think, you know, obviously there's the the pressure that every uh, team has the year after uh, year after year, you know, with the looking at the banners in that gym. You you spoke, you know, kind of briefly about, you know, clinics around the area and, and helping to build up young African American coaches. Where do you see gaps currently with the opportunities for African Americans here locally, nationally? to get into coaching basketball at any level. Where is there, where is there opportunity? I think the biggest thing is you got to finish your degree. A lot of athletes or players that have played at the highest level do not finish their degree. And then you look at a lot of these jobs around here. Um, First thing on the application is please upload your uh, degree or your diploma you don't have that that's going to relegate you to being an assistant coach off top. So academically, uh, we have to start completing our academic the requirements. So, you know, if you're just finishing, you go to college, just finish it. If it's two-year, four-year, finish it so you're able to qualify to be able to be uh, a head coach. I think the second thing is being an assistant. Uh, you know, it'll some situations, A, it's who you know, and they just, hey, you're going to come right in and be the head coach. But some of it, you have to be an assistant. You have to know how to be an assistant. You have to know what to look for, how to work um, within a coach and going to a place where I guess your uh, what you, how you want to play basketball fits. Uh, so going to a place where, you know, hey, that's where I, I want to play and that's how I want to coach. So having that opportunity also – um, and then just being able to um, communicate and 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 be able to to lead men, I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, coaches are going; they're looking always for people to be able to lead men. I can't be at practice twenty four seven, you know. Yeah. Th- so there's some times where I'm gonna have to step away. Can you lead these men in these drills? Can they understand what's happening? Uh, and so I, I think the biggest thing is just opportunity. I think they just have to seek seek those opportunities, go out to talk to coaches, um, you know, not just the inner city coaches, county coaches, go talk to them. Uh, if there's any types of clinics or any types of things that they they're, that they that are available, they need to be going there. So like the IBCA coaches clinic, those types of things. Um you know, just going there or coming to games and just saying, hey, coach, I like what you do. Is there a way that we can talk? I uh, just want to talk basketball, just how to get into profession. Um, I think that's a lot of it is just being able to be accessible um, and understanding just, hey, have a conversation. Uh, I think, you know, there's a need um, for for African-American coaches to not just want to jump in and, hey, I just I should be the head coach. Let's be an assistant. But at the same time, we can't just be relegated to assistance. Uh, I think, you know, there's some great coaches that 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 are head coaches right now. Uh, you look at Damon Turner. 
uh, over at Tech. Uh, David Woods been a great mentor at West Lafayette. Um, addicts uh, person also. Um, Bowling, who's been at Short Ridge, who's at Anderson coaching uh, right now. Al Gooden, uh, that's at LC. Um, there's just uh, so many. Uh, Carlisle and Ben Davis, um, you just, they were ready. They've been through the fire. They've coached. They've played. Um, and they were ready for the opportunity. And I think, like I said, the biggest thing is just that academic piece of being able to go online and do an application and be able to show that academically, hey, I have the credentials to do it and have a teaching license or have some type of administrator's license. Uh, and then from there, just being able to, you know, reach out, talk uh, to those programs and and push out, hey, I'm interested in learning more. How can I help? And that's a hey, clinics or also doing uh, camps for youth uh, for youth camps and then just showing coaches, hey, I really want to do this. And then that's when coaches say, hey, I'm going to bring you on board here as a freshman assistant, JV assistant or varsity assistant. And then, hey, can you do skill development? Can you do those things? Because those are all processes that head coaches had to go through. And especially in your year one, you're probably as a head coach doing everything that first year to incorporate your system. And then as you go through year two, year three, now you're pushing some of that and deflecting some of that to your assistant coaches uh, because you trust them. And they understand what type of system you're running and what they want to do. Like I said, they're, um, I think it's available, but I think a lot of the times we are not ready because we don't have that academic piece to it. I think sometimes we're ready with the coaching side, but you have to have that academic side and be able to work in the building because uh, your, your team needs to see you in the building. There's nothing like being able to – a teacher can come to you, hey, Brad Howell was not in class. He's skipping class. I can go physically find you. Hey, you're skipping class. Teacher uh, just found me. And so those are just some of the things that I just think that um, for African-American coaches that if we can improve on and do that, um, now it's just sharpening uh, your skills, interview skills, and then being able to get the interview and then understanding that community that you're going to, uh, does that fit what you want as a coach? And then if it does, go interview and then uh, see where the chips may fall. And I think the one thing that, you know, you can do after an interview, hey, is there something that I could improve on Is it, uh, in regards to why you didn't go with me? And then from there, that's what you do. You improve on that and then you wait for the next opportunity. That, that's wonderful advice, man. I, I think, uh, you know, obviously asking for feedback anytime you go through a process, but I think also how you laid out, um, you know, how you can become, you know, into that spot. You know, I think it, for, regardless of race, black, white, you know, minority, um, you know, one of the, the best advice I ever got was, you know, someone once told me, you know, project to your future self, you know, where you see yourself going and then let everybody know where you're going. Because what that does, like, and you talked about this before, is it creates a level of accountability for yourself. And it creates mm -hmm. a level of accountability that puts some social pressure on you. Because when you let people know what your goals are, they're going to say, hey, how's that goal going for you? And then that creates, you know, a, a healthy level of social pressure. And, uh, you know, that's what I would just, you know, give advice to any young people out there is let people know your goals um, and, and let them know that and let that kind of you know, fill up your soul and your spirit and allow you to kind of have that that motivation to get through those tough times, whether it's finishing your four year degree or it's, um, you know, going and, 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 and taking a, a film job as an assistant coach, because, you know, that's going to get you to where you ultimately want to be. Um, that's that's awesome advice, Chris. I love that. Um, hey, you know, I think one yeah. thing like the film thing, like, you know, Huddle, it just came out. And the funniest thing with the film thing is just like. You talk to a college coach, hey, do you know how to cut film? Todd Howard, we figured out huddle. Now I think all my coaches on our coaching staff, they get to clip and film up before I even get to clip and film up. And so mm -hmm. those are just things, man, you have to speak it into existence. And I, I really like that you said that because you look at it, hey, 
you did the high school coaching. Do you want to coach college? Do you want to coach NBA uh, or something like that? I said, man, I'm happy where I'm at right now. If opportunities come up, hey, so be it. But like I said, I always just wanted to be a high school coach. But you speak it into existence, and then you just keep working and working. And then at, at the end of the day, Miss Franklin and uh, Christmas Addict saw fit in me leading this program. So that speaking into existence is very key. I agree. You know, I wouldn't be serving this, uh, taking your time right now, if we didn't talk a little bit about the Converse uh, shoe deal that's going on with Addicts. Tell, tell, me, tell us all a little bit about what's going on with, uh, is it a commemorative uh, sneaker in regards to the, uh, the Addicts uh, teams of the 50s? Yeah, so basically the 55 team. Um, so basically, um, you know, first all-black uh, state high school championship team in the nation. And so basically uh, there's a Chuck Taylor and a, a Pro Leather that are coming out in March. Uh, we still don't have the exact date or how much they would cost. Um, early estimates, you probably 80 to 110. I probably I couldn't see it being higher. Uh, for either shoe. Um, but like I said, we have been working on a partnership with uh, uh, Converse for two years. They came here um, originally two years ago looking to do a partnership, uh, came in, saw our gym, saw our museum, kind of went back. And so we had this big, uh, big thing ready to go for All-Star Weekend. Nope, it's not happening. COVID intervenes. So, um, you know, we had to put it on the shelf. So now we've uh, been going through uh, with them, with our district um, and their representatives, uh, just putting this together. Um, so uh, some things I can't speak about because we still haven't got the clearance or an OKs. Hey, just put uh, me on the list, man. I don't care about your clearance. I just I want an opportunity to get a pair of those sneakers. OK, right. so there'll be it'll be a national international release. They'll be on Converse.com. Awesome. Pretty sure they'll have enough that, you know. I've told them they'll probably sell out just because of the the um, Christmas addicts theme and just the, sure. what they have on the shoes. So um, they're great. Um, and like I said, it's just been a process working with them. Uh, and uh, there's some other things that are coming. They've donated to our school and our athletic program financially. Uh, so it's just not just a, you know, hey, they're just putting this shoe together and everything. There's some other things going on with it. Uh, that'll happen in March, uh, right around this um, NCAA tournament tournament time and stuff like that. So, um, really excited to work with them. If you look at those state championship teams, what did they wear? Chucks. Yep. Um, the worst the state uh, ankle stability shoe of all time. <laughs> hey, when I told our kids, like when I was there, uh, Springer had me. I had on the updated Chucks, and. I took those off and put on those uh, Adidas Kobe Bryant's told me to get out of gym if I had them on. So that's, uh, <laughs> you know, how you put this full circle, just you wearing Chucks and now becoming the leader of this program and, you know, getting back together with that brand uh, is big. Cause also when they won that state title that year, they got a bronze Chuck Taylor shoe uh, for them. So like I said, it's just, it's natural that they, we work together and uh, it's it's big for our for our school, for our community, uh, for our district. Uh, and like I said, we're excited for this partnership and uh, can't wait for these visuals and um, other uh, projects to drop uh, with Converse. No, that's great. I'm, I'm it's happy to hear that Converse is uh, committing, you know, to supporting you guys and your program there, not just with this this launch. But that's extremely cool. Um, you know, one of the things I want to do is put in a little self selfish, aimless plug, plug, but I wanted to show you this picture if you can see here. So this is me growing up. I know the mm -hmm. listeners can't see this, but with, with the big O and, uh, when I was in fifth grade, you know, you talk about how big of an impact your mother and grandmother were on you. Uh, my grandmother, I don't know if you remember grandma, Hal sitting in the stands, uh, Mm -hmm. loud as can be, uh, you know, yelling at the referees. She had her hallelujah, uh, sign that she, uh, she had up in the stands. And, uh, my mom and dad sent me over to, uh, you know, grandma and grandpa's house when I was in fifth grade, cause I had to do a book report. And, uh, grandma Howe was an IPS teacher for 30 years at Short Ridge, Washington manual. And, uh, you know, so a lot of her days were, you know, thinking about those addicts teams and, you know, even, 
you know, some of the, uh, the other IPS, uh, greats that played at Washington and manual. And, uh, so she said, Hey, look, you know, Oscar Robertson is a great story of someone that you can learn a lot about in regards to not just the history of him becoming a, a unbelievable basketball player. Cause by that time, you know, he'd played through the NBA and had already averaged a triple double for, you know, an entire NBA, uh, season. Um, but she said, you know, learning about kind of the, uh, obstacles that he had to overcome. And she forced me to read his uh, autobiography in regards to just what he went through, not even at Addicts, but at Cincinnati when he was forced to, you know, eat at restaurants and, um, you know, without his teammates and all of that. And so for that, you know, I made a poster board and I won't, I don't have enough space to hold it up, but I have it actually matted and he signed it the big O and it's like one of my most prized possessions. And um, I'm just grateful, you know, that I had the opportunity of a grandmother, you know, before her time that, you know, was able to educate me on, you know, socioeconomic differences early in life. Um, and, and the big O, I mean, I think when you look at everything, you know, from his a- academic career to, you know, I think he even gave a kidney to one of his kids, like just very self- selfless uh, individual leader of amongst men. I I can only imagine you leading a state championship team that, you know, I'm sure he looks back on, you know, with, with just fond memories and, and I'm sure he's extremely proud of you, but like, what have those conversations with Oscar Robertson been like throughout the years? I mean, we just talked this past week. Cause like, we're trying to get this converse thing, you know, there's, there's always you likeness and pictures type thing. So, uh, you know, just trying to finish this up, but I mean, he's all he's all about the team, man. Whenever there's honors or uh, you know they they want to do some things about him, he always brings it back to the team, and it's never about him. Uh, and it's always about team. And I think we always have to do that. I think when you you know people say, man, you got to a hundred wins quickly, man. I had a great staff for all those wins. I had great players, so it's never about me. I just want to talk about those players that staff, the administration, you know, those are the people that, that put in the work to help get us to where we needed to be and everything like that. So, man, those conversations, man, just, you know, make sure that you get what you're supposed to get. You know, we want to stay title. Hey, make sure you go around the, the, the downtown, you know, it was raining hard that night. So, you know, we end up getting it, uh, doing it uh, outside of the rain or whatever, but, you know, those are just things, man. He's all about team. He's all about making sure everyone eats, not just him in particular. And so that's why, you know, when, we, when we're doing things, hey, it's all about the team. It's not about one individual. Yeah. And then when it starts to get to being about one individual, you know, hey, we check that in the butt, nip it in the butt at that point in moment, and then we pull it back together. So um, he's very accessible. Um, the all the players uh, from that era are very accessible as far as just communicating and talking about it. But when you talk to any Christmas addicts player, coach, or person that was a part, the cheerleaders, it's all about team, man. It's all about family, and they're all about each other and making sure um, you know everyone's taken care of. And that's what you want uh, as 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 a leader. You want everybody to band together. Uh, with I guess I think Nick Cannon and Drumline, one band, one sound, and then <laughs> that's great. <laughs> you know, you you that's what you want. You want everybody united on the united front, uh, moving forward uh, on the same path together. So, um, yeah, I appreciate uh, Oscar and just his, you know, availability coming uh, to the state championship game. I think he was on ESPN like after we had won the semi-state game is just saying, hey, I may be there. And then uh, lo and behold, before we go out, he comes in. We win the state title. He puts the uh, state championship uh, ne- uh, necklaces things on us. And then he comes in afterward with the uh, other players uh, from that 55 team, 56 and 59, um, which was just unbelievable. And you just, you know, you just pinch yourself, man. It just seems like mm-hmm. – you know, every day you go past this little trophy case right here, man. It's just a lot of history, and we've rewritten that history. Um, but now we want to do it again uh, because, like I said, you get a taste one time, and you get that itch every year to just, hey, we want to make it happen. So, um, 
we're in a good position right now, and uh, we want to finish this season up. And then uh, I think we have sectional draw Sunday, and uh, we'll see how the journey will begin. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's a that's a really cool story, man. Chris, I uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on today, man. You've been a uh, a complete joy to talk to, man. I'm I, I can't can't really words don't express like how proud I am of you. I know there's several out there that share the same sentiment in regards to just uh, the amount of success that you've had, but more importantly, just how you carry yourself as a leader amongst young men. And, uh, you know, I'll continue praying for, for you. You know, I know it's a day-to-day process as you continue to grieve your, your loved ones and family members and uh, continue to pray for you as you guys wrap up the season this year. Um, but I just, uh, Really appreciative of you coming on, buddy. No, nah, no problem. And like I said, my bad for not having updated numbers uh, to make sure that we we're able to connect and everything like that. So, no, nah, just appreciative of you, the friendship with the family, uh, your mom, dad, brothers and sisters. Uh, you have a great family. I've always uh, loved how Inc., uh, how you guys embrace me coming out there. Uh, hanging out with you guys and everything like that. So, like I said, How Inc., I know a lot of you don't know about How Inc., but it's a great family. This is the only family that can get phone calls during classes at Southport High School and be able to answer them without and, getting in trouble. I want to so, be clear. <laughs> that was Hollywood Steve. You know, I had nothing to do with that. So, you know, it's a. Uh, you always lump me into Hal Inc., but you know Steve come in with his sunglasses on and could do no wrong. But uh, I guess that's what happens when you're six five and uh, somewhat good looking and good quarterback. And he just I don't know whatever he did, he was always good at. I always uh, was like, how the heck does he do, do that? But uh, that's funny, man. Now we hold the same sentiment with you, man, and, and your family as well. You guys have always been an extension of ours, and uh, I always see that that way. You know, I think you know some of the things I enjoy the most now is, you know, my dad will call me and say, Hey, have you, have you watched Hawk? You see what he's posting on Facebook, you know? So you'll, you'll see John Howe liking and loving things left and right, man. He's a, one of your biggest fans. So, uh, but proud of you, buddy. And, uh, I appreciate your time. Thanks for, uh, you know, being on and hopefully I didn't hold you out too long. I know you got responsibilities you got to get back to. So. No, it, it, it works right into my next meeting. So I appreciate it. And like I said, uh, you know, if we make this run, man, hopefully we can get you down to Banker's Life, man. So that'd be uh, great. You know, appreciate it. And uh, like I said, let's stay in contact uh, and tell mom and dad I said hello. Absolutely, man. Go Tigers. Go get them, man. I appreciate it. See you, buddy. Thank you for listening to the Sports Squire podcast. Check out the show notes for anything you missed during today's episode. Click subscribe if you haven't already to ensure you get updates on the latest Sports Squire episodes. And remember, as a Sports Squire, your greatest self is found at the intersection of knowledge and action. Don't be normal, be a Sports Squire.